This is the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. Thank you for tuning in to listen to another Notorious Bakersfield story. Remember to follow this podcast's social media pages. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to us on whichever podcast app you use to listen to podcasts. Notorious Bakersfield is on Apple, Spotify, Google, every podcast app that's available. If you'd like to email me with suggestions for stories you'd like me to cover, email me at NotoriousBakersfield at gmail.com. Or go to NotoriousBakersfield.com and contact me through the website. That music means it is time for Notorious Bakersfield listener questions. Hi, good morning. My name is Liz, and I was just wondering if you have ever considered or if you have actually ever worked on any professional series such as uh, City Confidential or American Justice because your voice actually uh, really lends itself or would lend itself for something like that. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Have I ever done any voiceover or narration work before? No, never have. And that's one of the surprising things to come out of this podcast. I never thought I had a good voice until starting Notorious Bakersfield. And that's one thing people people compliment me most about since launching um, the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. People who hear me in person all the time, live, are surprised when they hear a recording of my voice. So yeah, I never considered me having a good voice. I, I just never thought about it until, until this. So it was kind of by accident. So thank you, Liz, for the question and the compliment. Another listener's question. I just have a question. My name's Jason. I'm from Colorado. I grew up in the Bakersfield area. Have you ever had any like repercussions of episodes that you've done from people or family members that like threatening or anything like that, or they didn't want it posted or telling you to take it down. I'm just curious, like if family members or somebody um, were upset about something that you posted and they've asked you to take it down and what your response was to them. Just curious. Thanks. Thank you, Jason from Colorado. Has, vic- has a victim's family ever asked me to take a story down? No. I have reached out to family members, survivors, to ask them if they'd like to be interviewed. The majority of the time, their reaction, first of all, is suspicion, wondering why I'm interested in covering their loved one's death so many years later. And they usually refuse the interview. And I can understand that. The trauma they suffered through is unimaginable. Asking them to revisit the most awful experience in their life is a tall order. 
and something I'm empathetic to and sympathetic towards. So I understand them not not wanting to uh, be interviewed or participate, but you know I understand it. Thank you, Jason from Colorado, for that question. If you would like to ask me a question, go to notoriousbakersfield.com. Go there, you can see a, a little microphone icon, click on that microphone icon and you can ask me a voice question. I may play it on a future episode. I will say this, whenever you do it on your phone, there's a setting in your phone that you have to go through. And anyways, it's easier to do it if you do it on your computer, on your laptop. So just a heads up about that. So go to notoriousbakersfield.com, look for the microphone icon Click on that microphone icon and you can send me a voicemail and a question. Donnell Clyde Cooley was born in Oklahoma in 1910. Long before he made it as an entertainer, he adopted the nickname Spade after a lucky streak while playing an all-night poker game. He claimed he drew a flush three times, each time with the same suit. Over the years, Spade embellished the story until those hands became three straight Spade flushes in a row. Highly unlikely. If you'd ask anyone in the 1950s, they'd have told you that Spade Cooley was one of the biggest country and western stars in Hollywood during the 1930s, 40s, and early 50s. His country swing band was as popular as those of Tommy Dorsey and Glenn Miller. In 1961, Spade brutally murdered his wife in Willow Springs near Tatchby. His murder trial in Bakersfield attracted enormous public interest. It was a media spectacle, the likes of which hadn't been seen before and wouldn't be seen again until another celebrity, O.J. Simpson was tried for a similar crime decades later. This is Trial of the Century. Spade Cooley was born into a family of fiddle players, so it was only natural that that would be the musical instrument that brought him fame and fortune. He married his high school sweetheart and had a son. By the age of 25, Spade and his young family moved to Hollywood. As Spade liked to tell it, he got to Hollywood with a fiddle under his arm and a nickel in his pocket. His big show business break came when cowboy movie star Roy Rogers gave him a job. For three years, Spade was Roy Rogers' stand-in and stunt double. This friendship led to a hit radio show that was broadcast across the country. It was during this period that Spade Cooley became known as the King of Western Swing. He starred in a number of Hollywood Westerns, and he was one of the first country and Western entertainers to cash in on television. The Spade Cooley Show, presented by KTLA Television. And now here's your fiddling friend and mine, Spade!
His weekly TV variety show exposed Spade to an audience of millions. A regular guest on the Spade Cooley show was his good friend, Ronald Reagan. Spade divorced his high school sweetheart and in 1945 married Ella Mae Evans, a performer in his band. By the 1950s, country and western was becoming less popular as the rock and roll craze was sweeping the world. And as country and western's popularity faded, so did Spade Cooley's star. When his TV show was canceled, Spade turned to real estate ventures. Spade and LMA moved their family from Los Angeles to a remote ranch in the Mojave Desert, Willow Springs, near Tatchby. He set out to build a resort near the Willow Springs Ranch called Water Wonderland. Walt Disney had just opened Disneyland, and Spade envisioned this Water Wonderland project as a rival to Disneyland, a recreational oasis that would feature multiple lakes for water skiing and TV and movie studios. That was Spade's goal and intention. In reality, he fought with his investment partners, and debts began to mount. Spade's fortune evaporated, and his Water Wonderland plans had to be scrapped. This is when his drinking began to spiral out of control. Spade was always possessive and controlling of his wife. But when it became clear or obvious that Water Wonderland was never going to happen, the violence became more frequent. He'd fly into jealous rages and beat her. He accused her of infidelity, even accused her of having an affair with his friend Roy Rogers. Ella May was hospitalized from what was diagnosed as extreme strain. She begged the hospital to not release her. She told her doctors more than once she was in fear of her husband. She told them that all he wants to do is take me home and kill me. Ella May was released from the hospital. On March 17, 1961, Spade Cooley filed for divorce in Bakersfield. He told reporters that Ella May moved out of the ranch and any chance of reconciliation was hopeless. In reality, Ella May was at the ranch, being held prisoner by her husband. On March 23rd, Cooley beat Ella May until she signed deeds transferring all of their community property over to Spade alone. On April 3, 1961, at the Rambling Estate in Willow Springs, Spade would beat his wife of 15 years for the last time. At 6.20 that evening, the couple's 14-year-old daughter, Melody, came home. She walked into a scene of violent chaos. Her dad had blood spatter on his pants. He took Melody by the arm and told her, Come here, your mother's going to tell you something. Spade walked Melody to the bathroom where the shower was running. Ella May was lying on the shower floor, unconscious. He told her, Get up, Melody is here. Spade grabbed Ella May by the hair. He dragged her nude, battered, and bloody body from the shower into the bedroom and he slammed her head on the floor twice. With his booted foot, 
Spade stomped LMA in the abdomen while calling her a slut. I could describe in more detail the vicious beating LMA received from Spade and what 14-year-old Melody was forced to witness. But I won't. It was brutal. You get the idea. Spade paused his assault when a ringing telephone distracted him. Melody took this opportunity to escape. Spade summoned his adult son and daughter-in-law to the ranch. Then he called his agent and a nurse. After arriving on scene, these four convinced Spade to call an ambulance. When the ambulance got to the ranch, the lone attendant found LMA unresponsive on the floor. It was obvious there'd been a violent struggle. The house was in disarray, and LMA's body was covered with bruises, blood, and cigarette burns. Spade assisted the ambulance attendant lifting her body onto the stretcher and helped load her into the ambulance. Then he insisted on driving inside the ambulance with his wife to the hospital. When they arrived at the Tatchby Hospital, it was obvious to the doctor that Ella May was already dead. He immediately called the Kern County Sheriff's Office. Spade was taken to the substation of the Kern County Sheriff's Office in Mojave. It's now 3 a.m. April 4, 1961. We're located in a small room in the Mojave Sheriff's Substation. And your name, sir, is Spade Cooley. Is that correct? Is that your correct name? Uh, My legal name is Donnell Quiet Cooley. I went in rage. I slapped her. I told you I slapped her. I slapped her hard. While Spade was being interviewed, investigators were at the Willow Springs Ranch collecting evidence. By 11 a.m. the next day, Spade Cooley, the big-time country and western music star, was arrested for murder and booked into the jail in downtown Bakersfield. At first, Cooley retained renowned Bakersfield criminal defense attorney Morris Chain, but later replaced him with an L.A. attorney. Even though psychiatrists found Cooley legally sane to stand trial, he pleaded innocent by reason of insanity. Before the trial started, the 50-year-old Cooley suffered a heart attack. He spent several days recovering in Kern General Hospital. The jury trial finally got underway on July 10, 1961. Donnell Spade Cooley's murder trial put Bakersfield in the spotlight. The press and public were keenly interested to learn the lurid details of the once popular entertainer's private life. During the trial, audible gasps were heard in the courtroom as each unseemly detail of abuse, torture, and incest were exposed. One of the most shocking parts of the trial was the pathologist's testimony. The doctor graphically detailed the physical abuse that Ella May suffered through before she died. The autopsy revealed Ella May died from a ruptured aorta caused by a severe physical assault. The most damning witness against Spade 
was Melody, his 14-year-old daughter. She broke down multiple times as she described the savage beating she witnessed the evening her mother died. Cooley took this as the ultimate betrayal. After Melody stepped off the witness stand, she paused at the defense table. Father and daughter locked eyes, and both broke down crying. Spade uttered under his breath, How could she do this to me? How could she do this to me? Court took a recess, and Cooley was moved to a holding cell. A highly emotional Spade Cooley was meeting with his defense team when he suffered another heart attack. He was rushed to Kern General Hospital again. An electrocardiogram showed no damage, and the trial resumed the following day. Spade Cooley testified in his own defense. He admitted to striking his wife with an open hand, but denied using a closed fist to hit her. He claimed he did this after she confessed to him affairs with two different men. In addition to those affairs, Cooley asserted his wife admitted involvement in a sex cult where she engaged in unnatural acts with complete strangers of both sexes. After six weeks, the trial of the century ended. At the time, this had been the longest trial in Kern County history. In an unusual move that still isn't fully understood, Spade Cooley's defense team withdrew his insanity plea. If Cooley were to be found guilty for the murder of his wife, he could face the death penalty. The jury of 10 men and two women began deliberations. It took only 19 hours for them to come back with a first-degree murder verdict. Spade Cooley was found guilty of beating, torturing, and stomping his wife, Ella May, to death. After rendering their verdict, the jury was almost apologetic. They shook hands and hugged the man they just convicted. Some jurors even wept. Spade Cooley was spared the death sentence. He was sentenced to life behind bars. Back then, most people in the state of California who had just been convicted of first-degree murder were sent to San Quentin. But due to his health, in 1962, Spade Cooley was sent to Vacaville Prison, a much more desirable institution. I've read numerous accounts that say California Governor Ronald Reagan was intending to pardon his old friend Spade Cooley. Since there's no documentation of this, I have no idea if that's true. But there's a lot of information out there stating this. But nothing official, nothing on any government forms or anything like that. What is also not clear... Spade Cooley received a three-day furlough to perform at a peace officers' conference in Oakland. There's accusations that Governor Ronald Reagan pressured the parole board to grant that furlough. I don't know how true this claim is either. But what is true? Parole board did, indeed, grant Spade Cooley a 72-hour furlough. For whatever reason, the California Parole Board deemed it was appropriate to grant a furlough for a man convicted of stomping and beating his wife to death. 
On November 23, 1969, Spade Cooley was transported from Vacaville Prison to Oakland, California. He didn't know what was happening and had no idea what this furlough was about. Spade Cooley was the surprise headline performer for the Oakland Sheriff's Association Convention. When he was introduced by the MC, the audience went wild. Spade performed three songs. He closed the set with his hit, Shame, Shame on You. audience went wild. They gave him a standing ovation. He walked off the wings of the stage and signed some autographs. He went into his dressing room and collapsed. Spade Cooley died where he fell, dead from a heart attack. He was 58 years old. Resources used to research this story, the Bakersfield Californian, the book Spade Cooley, the novel, this is Robert Peterson. Remember to tune in next week, next Tuesday, for another Notorious Bakersfield story. Have a good week.